You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to BridgesNashville.com. Hey, listen, I'm a huge fan of documentaries. And one of my favorite all-time documentaries came out in 2012. It's a music documentary called Searching for Sugarman. And it tells the unlikely musical journey of a guy by the name of Rodriguez, who is currently living in Detroit, working a job in construction. But in the 1970s, Rodriguez was a music-filled dreamer who wrote songs and released albums, and he was an incredible artist. But Rodriguez had a story that so many artists here in Nashville share. Uh, Big dreams, but the music went nowhere. Or so he thought. You see, while his album sales were dismal here in the U.S. and he never made any of the billboard charts here on this side of the ocean, somehow his music made its way over to South Africa during the time of apartheid. And his lyrics connected with a generation that was caught up in the throes of oppression and racism. Listen, Rodriguez became a cultural phenomenon in South Africa. But these were the days before the Internet when music news didn't travel so well. And the other side of the story is that his record label never told him about his success overseas. And so Rodriguez thought that his music career, his songs and his dreams were dead. He worked job after job, just trying to make ends meet, supporting his family, not realizing that across the Atlantic Ocean, his music was influencing an entire culture. Now, because of apartheid censorship in South Africa, his fans across the Atlantic Ocean had no idea that this icon, their musical hero, was even alive. And to make his legend spread even more, rumors began to travel that Rodriguez had died while performing on stage. Now, in the mid-1990s, music historians reached out. They got a hold of Rodriguez's daughter as they were writing a piece on her father, who they thought was a dead rock star. When they reached her on the phone, She said, well, do you want to talk to him? He's just down the hallway. They almost hung up thinking it was a joke, but it was no joke. And upon realizing that Rodriguez was alive, a word got out in South Africa. And Rodriguez, this once forgotten songwriter, was now the most wanted man in music. Uh, Promoters lined up a series of sold out concerts in arenas and stadiums across Uh, South Africa, and every show ended with tears in Rodriguez's eyes and standing ovation. Listen, this is a documentary I highly recommend. It won the Academy Award for Best Documentary in 2012. It's an incredible story that says, even when you think you're forgotten, sometimes there are amazing things happening behind the scenes. Sometimes it's an ocean away, but it's never too late to be who you're meant to be. Dreams may feel like they're forgotten, but they don't have to die, especially those dreams that come from the Lord. Well, today we kick off a four-part series called From Death to Life. This is gonna take us all the way up to Easter Sunday. And by the way, Easter Sunday is the third Sunday of the month. We usually meet in the evening times for a night of prayer and worship, but because it's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, we're gonna meet in the morning, 10 a.m. at the Listening Room Cafe. You don't want to miss it. It's gonna be the culmination of this series from death to life. Listen, Jesus didn't just come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. God is in the resurrection business. And today, I want to speak to those of us who may feel like our dreams are dead. Maybe the passion to step into what God has called us to 
is gone. Maybe we've lost the fire that we once had with our first love when we felt that undeniable presence of God and all we wanted to do was tell everybody around us about the goodness of God and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Or maybe if you're a little older, you feel like your best days are behind you. And I want to tell you that God probably has your best days in front of you. The best is yet to come. With the gospel, there's always more. Or maybe, like so many people in 2022, uh, you just feel forgotten, hopeless, even abandoned. You know, I've been there myself. But I want to tell you today that you're not forgotten and you are not abandoned. The dreams that God has placed inside of you are never forgotten. Now, they may be dormant for a season, but they don't have to die. One thing that I've been sensing from the Holy Spirit lately is that it's time for the people of God to dream again, to step back into all that he's calling you to and advance the kingdom of heaven. It's time to take back what the enemy stole from you, whether that is joy or peace or promises and dreams. God is calling this generation to rise up and step into a holy destiny. And he is faithful to his promise and everything that he's called you to. You are not forgotten. I promise you this, if there's still breath in your lungs, there is still a purpose for you in the kingdom of God. And today uh, we're going to talk about how God stays good on his word and that if you're hanging on to a promise, even just by a thread, don't give up. You know, early on in the Bible, there's this interesting plot line about a guy named Abraham. Now he was originally called Abram. Now, he's known as the father of faith, and from his seed line would come Jesus Christ, the Savior of all humanity. And as we read in Genesis 12, we see that God calls him out of his homeland to a place that he doesn't yet know. And this God that he really doesn't know gives him an epic promise to make him a great nation, to give him a great name, and that through his lineage, all peoples on earth would be blessed. A little side note here. Abram at the time was 75 years old. Not exactly the age at which you start dreaming about your family tree, right? I mean, this is usually the time where you start picking out burial plots, not picking out a registry at Target for a baby shower, okay? But he gets this promise from a God that he doesn't yet really know. It's so important to know that Abram comes from a line of pagans. These are people that did not serve the Lord, and that's what makes his faith so incredible. He follows the voice and trusts in a God that has yet to show himself faithful. This is the father of faith. And God gives him this promise. And Abraham hangs on to it that, that even in his old age, he would have descendants or at least one son to carry on his name and be his heir. But time goes by. Years go by. Still no heir. Maybe God forgot. So Abram went to his own logic and he tries to figure out a way to continue on his namesake. And he comes up with this plan to have his main servant, Eliza of Damascus, to be his heir. Now at that time, customs allowed for people like Abraham and Sarah who were wealthier to adopt one of their servants to carry on their namesake. And since Abram and Sarah weren't getting any younger at this point, it really didn't seem like that bad of an idea. But that wasn't what the Lord promised, was it? Genesis 15, four and five. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Okay, so Abram, pretty inspired in this moment, chills off on the Eliza idea, and he continues to have faith in the promise and the dream that one day he's gonna be a dad for a while. 
then a decade goes by. How many of you know that when you get a promise from the Lord and you have a dream in your heart and days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years and you start to doubt and you start to come up with ways to help God out as if he needed our genius plans to intervene, right? But that's exactly what happens in the story of Abram and Sarai. In fact, it's Sarai this time who decides to take matters into her own hands in a kind of freaky way. Uh, Genesis 16, one and two. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Interesting word choice there. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. I think that's just kind of funny how this verse ends. Abram's like, okay. So he agrees. Now, does anybody else see a problem with this? Probably the first love triangle in all of history. I mean, this is the stuff that reality TV dreams of, right? Listen, one of the hardest things for us to learn in this life is to learn to trust in God's timing. God's timing is almost never on our time clock, but it's always perfect. Usually takes longer than we want but listen, you can never speed up God's plan, but you can often make poor decisions to slow it down. And when we try to figure everything out and make it happen on our clock, we usually take his hands off of the circumstance, put ours on it. And when we take God's hands off of a situation, it's a bad idea. It usually takes off his blessing and his covering. You know, my dad once told me that what you birth in your flesh, your flesh has to sustain it. But what you allow the Holy Spirit to birth in you it's the Holy Spirit's job to sustain it. So Abram and Sarai set up this blind date, and as it goes, uh, Hagar does in fact get pregnant, and nine months later we have Ishmael enter onto the scene. This is Abram's son, born in the flesh, but not of the promise. And then ensues some baby mama drama, and Sarah gets a little jealous, as you can imagine, and so Hagar gets scared and she runs out into the desert. And when she's alone and scared and at her wit's end, she's not sure what to do next. The angel of the Lord shows up and tells her, hey, God has a plan for your life too. And this is huge because you definitely feel for Hagar in this situation, don't you? I mean, she's just an Egyptian servant going along with her masters, Abram and Sarai's grand scheme. And yet God shows up in her story too. And I love how she responds by giving God a name. Genesis 16, 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. In fact, Hagar is the only person in the entire Bible to give God a name. This single mom, Egyptian slave girl, forgotten, cast aside, gets to be the only one in all of scripture to give God a name. And that name is the God who sees me. God sees you. That's the title of this message. I see you. Now back to Abram, who is renamed Abraham in Genesis 17. And God renews this covenant to give him descendants as numerous as the stars. And that through his lineage, all people on the earth would be blessed. But 25 years had passed from the original promise at this time. You know, sometimes we just need to be reminded that God doesn't forget. And sure enough, well into their senior citizen status, Abraham and Sarah finally become parents, Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Wow, this right here shows us that God's timing is perfect and it's always on time. 
It's when we give up on the dream and we try to make it happen in our own time and in our own strength that we tend to get sidetracked and off course. And this usually creates problems and delays as it did for Abraham and Sarah and even Hagar. But here's the deal. Because of God's grace, he can reroute those delays and teach us lessons because we know there are no wasted seasons when it comes to God. He uses everything for his glory and for our good. You know, one of my life verses is Romans 8, 28. I have it tattooed here on my arm above the skyline of Nashville. And here's what it says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. You know, when I was just 12 years old, I knew that my calling in life had to do with music and ministry. I love to write songs and I started taking piano lessons at 11. I fell in love with music and God gave me this dream to write songs that would inspire hope in my generation. And so all throughout middle school and high school, I was in rock bands and I also led worship at my dad's church on Sundays. And this continued into college where I would lead worship on Sunday, but I would play frat parties on Friday nights. And that led to a dream divided to say the least. After college, I went on to American Idol and I, shot, I thought for sure that this was God's dream for me, finally coming to pass. And then I got let go from the show. I thought at 22 years old, my musical life was over, but God was just getting started. I remember this conversation with my dad in the hotel room in Hollywood and I was just so distraught and he said, listen, Curtis, if this isn't what God has for your life, just imagine what he does. So I came back to Roanoke, Virginia from Hollywood. I put together a band because I was still gonna try to make this happen on my time and in my strength. And our band ended up signing a production deal here in Nashville. My wife, Sarah and I, we moved here in 2005. Our band begins recording. We start traveling all over the country in our Ford Econoline van. It was pretty, pretty snazzy. It had the track lightings with a PS2 in it. And uh, we toured all over the country for the next three years. And we would get these little glimpses of success. We even had a couple songs hit the radio, but we never got off of that peanut butter and jelly diet, if you know what I'm talking about. So we were just hanging onto this dream by a thread, but the question soon became, listen to this, is this my dream that I asked God to bless, or is it God dream, God's dream for my life? Can I say that again? Is this my dream that I've asked God to bless, or the dream that God placed inside of me? There's a difference. You know, in 2008, our band was offered the break of a lifetime. We got a call from a TV show, it was a national program, and they promised us instant success. This was most likely gonna be our final breakthrough that we had always wanted. But how many of you know that sometimes success is climbing a ladder and you get to the top and you realize that you're at the top and the ladder was leaning against the wrong building the whole time? You know, while the TV show sounded amazing, I just got this supernatural check in my spirit. And I ran the opportunity by a mentor of mine. And he asked me a question that would change the course of my life. He said, Curtis, are you here to make your name famous or God's name famous? Psalm 37, four, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So that night I began to lay down my own selfish dreams and desires, delight in the Lord. And here's what happened. The desire to be a famous rock star just began to fade. And this desire in my heart to use music for the kingdom of God began to grow exponentially in my heart. And one day I come home, I'm in our kitchen with Sarah and I just said, hey, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to quit the rock band thing and lead worship. She just looked back at me and said, well, it's about time. Hey, I'm grateful for a wife who hears from the Lord. 
Now, does that mean that all of those years pursuing rock music were wasted? Absolutely not. Because as I said before, there are no wasted seasons with the Lord. And he used those years to teach me so much that I'm able now to impart to young musicians with those dreams. Listen to me, to fully step into the calling that God has for you, sometimes you need to see the dead ends of your own plans. There were moments in those days where I felt abandoned and I felt forgotten. Hey, even when I was walking in the will of God, even now as a, a pastor and a church planner, there are moments where it just feels lonely. But I'm often reminded when I go to scripture that I'm not alone and that God has not forgotten me. And I wanna tell you the same thing today. God has dreams and promises for you. You can go from death to life when Jesus is the author of your story, when you surrender and ask him to intervene. You'll start to see his plans and dreams unfold in your life. So question, what are the dreams that God has placed inside of you? What are the promises that you've been holding on to that you need to remember today? Maybe those are dreams that need to be res resurrected. Who's he called you to be? What has he called you to do? It's time to dream again. Trust his timing and trust in his word because it never fails. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that comes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And then in the New Testament, Philippians 1.6, it says this, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.